knows when that song was popular? Last week. How about 40 years ago? 40 years ago. The Temptations, Ball of Confusion. And you know what? Things haven't changed much in 40 years. They might even be worse. There might even be more confusion now. Perhaps the specifics have changed. There are some things in there that obviously don't make a lot of sense. You may know who the Beatles are, but they certainly don't have a new record. Uh, but unemployment rising? Well, I know it's rising now, but there's plenty of unemployment. Crisis? we got oil problems now. we got war. Talked about the sale of pills. Suicide is still a big problem. More taxes will solve everything. Sound familiar? Evolution, revolution. So that, that song is still appropriate for today. However, I think there's probably one big change. That is Christians, not all, but many I think seem to be looking more and more like the world, like unbelievers. Among Christians, there are these surveys and studies that indicate there's very little difference in some of our behaviors. The divorce rate among Christians is about the same as for others. Sexual intimacy outside of marriage seems to be almost the same. Other behaviors that we compare to those that are unbelievers, there seems to not be much of a difference anymore. Some denominations have even redefined marriage. They allow gays that are in committed relationships to be ordained as preachers, bishops. So, I-M-O-H-O, -O, excuse me. I'm not into texting all that shorthand stuff so much, but in my humble opinion, this ball of confusion that the Temptations sung about 40 years ago, this ball of confusion is even more confused. So what are we to do? We certainly need to have our heads on straight if we're going to deal with this confused world. And the confusion is only going to get worse, as I understand Scripture, as the time for Jesus' return approaches. What are we to do? Well, we need to prepare. There's a couple guys that made some statements about this. Henry Ford, anybody knew who Henry Ford was? Assembly line, that's right. Abe Lincoln, I hope you know who Abe Lincoln was. Henry Ford said before everything else, getting ready is the secret to success. Abe Lincoln said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first hour sharpening the axe. Certainly true today. That brings us to the text we want to look at, or the main text today, from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 16. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now, I'm not going to read the previous verses in, in that chapter of 1 Peter, but it, it talked about, talks about salvation and the hope that we have because of Jesus' resurrection. So it talks about preparing in that first verse in chapter 13, or verse 13. 
Prepare your minds for action. Well, thinking does not get better unless we help it along. And our thinking does not improve by doing nothing. That's certainly true. We need to allow God's Holy Spirit to enable our thinking. Now, you know what? That doesn't always work. What I mean by that is His Spirit works, but we don't always allow that Spirit to enable our thinking. We're so intelligent. We're so smart. We don't need God's help. That's a big mistake. Right thinking produces right actions. The text that we need to look at for that, it talks about that. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, from Philippians 4.8, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's from the New International Version. The message, which is a paraphrase, says, Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. We just stopped there. Also, we played that little music video there. Music is a very important thing. Most people like to listen to music. You realize how much music can get into your head and all, all the more if it's attached to a video? I can listen to some oldie stations. <clears throat> uh, I was your age back in the 60s, folks. <laughs> and when I listen to songs from that era, songs that I haven't heard for maybe 30 years or more, guess what? I start singing right along to them. Did I memorize those songs? No. But I apparently listened to them enough that they're still in my brain. And now if you were to attach that to video, which we didn't really have much of back then in the dark ages, you attach it to video, it's even more impressionable. So things get in your head. You may not even realize it. They're in there. That's why it's important to be careful about what you let get in your heads. Because believe me, some of that stuff just stays there forever. Unfortunately, when you get to my, be my age, you have a lot of senior moments too where you don't seem to be able to recall recent things. But boy, that music is still there. So how do we prepare? That's what 1 Peter 13 is talking about. Prepare your minds for actions. Well, we need to digest God's Word. Not just read His Word. We need to eat His Word, essentially. And we need to allow it to digest. And certainly... At least one of the songs talks about praying. We need to pray often. We need to learn from other believers' example. A couple scriptures that talk about this. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Those that are involved in Bible quizzing, I have a feeling that as much time as you spent on that Bible quizzing, a lot of that stuff is going to be there for a long time. It's going to be there. And hopefully you can draw upon that and pull that out when you need it. Prayer. Jesus certainly prayed frequently. Just a couple passages to illustrate His desire to pray. 
One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. He did that a lot. When morning came, He called His disciples to Him and He chose twelve of them, whom He also designated apostles. Jesus would go to pray for inspiration, to pray for decisions that had to be made. We also know that in that Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed. He went with His disciples into a place called Gethsemane and He said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. In fact, in the Luke passage that describes this, it says that his sweat looked like drops of blood. There actually is a medical condition where if you're under great stress, your sweat can have red blood cells in it. Jesus was under great stress and he prayed in that Luke passage. He prayed that the cup might be taken from him. But that ultimately said that my Father's will, he wanted God's will to be done. Well, folks, we need to have self-control if we're going to be prepared. That's another key word in 1 Peter 1.13, to be self-controlled. And that requires discipline. In fact, some tra uh, translations there use the word discipline rather than self-control. Well, that means that we have to be committed. We need commitment. We need to be willing to sacrifice. And we certainly need to be persistent. Now, if you think about that, if you compare it to athletes, world-class athletes, to musicians, to people like me that spent years and years getting advanced degrees. I'm not sure why I did that. <clears throat> but I was committed and I uh, persisted Athletes who train all their lives, for example, for the Olympics. It takes tremendous amount of dedication. Are we willing to do that? To prepare ourselves to be willing to share what we have learned about God and Jesus? Musicians who practice and practice and practice. Do you think Aaron and those guys just come up here and do it? No, they practice. When I was in high school, we had a band director that insisted that we practice one hour a night. And he had our, and we, our parents had to sign a slip saying that we did that. You have to prepare. You can prepare as an athlete or musician or to get a degree in college. Shouldn't we all the more want to prepare as we focus on God and Jesus? We do need to keep focused. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. We need to keep our focus by remembering our hope. We need to focus on Jesus and the fulfillment of God's grace when Jesus returns. Now, what do we do until He returns? Are going to just sit around looking up in the sky for Him to return? Well, you know there were actually people that were kind of doing that. People in Thessalonica were kind of doing that. They thought Jesus would return very soon. Well, even the Apostle Paul thought that. But we cannot spend our time, yes, we're hoping for His return. But what do we do until He returns? Well, certainly we have to be obedient. And we must not slip back into our old ways. The message says this in 1 Peter 1.14. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Doing just what you feel like doing. 
You didn't know any better then, meaning before you were saved, before you came to Christ. You do now. And you know, if you're honest with yourselves, and I'm honest with myself, because there are times when I slip. You start slipping a little bit, and pretty soon it's that old proverbial snowball down the middle. It starts out small, and then as it rolls down that hill, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But we don't want to just be lazy and complacent and slip back into those old grooves. We're called to be holy because that is what God has called us to be. To be holy, to be set apart, to be different than the world. In the world, but not of the world, right? We're to live holy lives because that is what God has called us to do. Verse 15 says that. But just as He who called you is holy, meaning God, so be holy in all you do. Not just what you do on Sundays or Wednesdays, or what you do a couple hours a week, but we're to try to be holy in all we do, to be set apart, to be different than the world. Our holy living then is going to produce good fruit. But unholy living is going to produce bad fruit. And there's a passage in Scripture that talks about that in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 45. Jesus said, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does, it, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. If there's something rotten about us on the inside, it's going to come out. If not right away, it's going to come out eventually. It'll come out in words that we say to one another. You may even take God's name in vain, which we hear a lot of these days. We don't want to be doing that. We need to get our inside right and then our outside's going to be fine. We need to be right with God. We are to be holy because God is holy. Verse 16, it is written, Be holy because I am holy. God is our standard of holiness. His Son emulated that standard perfectly. So if we're going to prepare our minds in this confused world, which I think is getting more confused by the day, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be studying the Word of God. We need to be eating the Word of God. We need to be digesting the Word of God. We need to be in persistent prayer. But you know what? If all we do, you've got to do this. You've got to study the Word. You've got to be praying. But you know what? If you don't use it, if it doesn't lead to action, you become spiritually constipated. <laughs> now you know what constipation is like. Some of you do. I don't have that problem. But we don't want to be spiritually constipated. We want to study God's Word, certainly. We want to understand it. We want to share it. We want to discuss it with others. But we have to put it into action. That's what this whole week is about, is putting, putting our faith into action. We need to be doing holy things as Jesus did. 
We need to be compassionate. We need to help the needy. We need to feed the hungry. We need to show mercy. And the list goes on and on of the things that Jesus did. That's the kind of those things are that that's the kind of fruit then that comes out of a good heart. I like Romans 12, 1 and 2. And what's up on the screen there now is from the message again. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now I'm guessing that most of you young folks here today are not worried about the epitaph that's going to be written for you. You know what an epitaph is? Anybody? What's an epitaph? What's what they write? It's what they write on, can write on your tombstone, right? As I look back over my uh, relatively long life, uh, there are things I wish I had done. He had potential. I was a pretty good trumpet player. But I went to Ohio State and I said, oh, I can't do that. And, and I could go on about the things that I could look back at and say, I had the potential, but I didn't do it. I don't want that to be written on my tombstone. He had potential. You don't want that to be written on yours, God forbid that, anytime soon, but you don't want that. What we want our epitaph to be for us is, he or she made a difference the lives of people by their holy action. That's what we want. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.